Yeah, well, we weren't allowed to mention Howard anymore because the company came to us after Howard cried like a little. You you fill in the blank because I'm not allowed to say it, TikTok, am I? We started calling him Radio Edit. And then the company came to us and said, okay, now you can't say Howard Stern and now you can't say Radio Edit. And then we had a whole list. And, and then like, okay, now you can't say that. And then they finally, the lawyers came to us with a whole list of names we couldn't use for Howard Stern on our radio show. <laughs> Oh, you couldn't take it. I was driving in a car and Howard was talking about he's the last man standing. And I just happened to be listening to this in my car. And he was bragging about how he's the last man standing. I was in my car laughing my ass off. I'm like, that's right, Howard. You're the last man standing. Does that help your little ego? I was like, yep, you're the last man standing, Howard. You sure are. You want to blow out your candles now? in the city I, I i drove uh really late what day is today right friday i guess i drove uh very late uh wednesday night got into my apartment and the first thing you do especially because i haven't been there in a month you run around the whole apartment like okay making sure there's no no problems in the apartment did the the run around i'm like okay the apartment looks good i'm gonna settle in watched a little tv in my living room which is key to this quick story and then I went to bed, right? And then I live streamed for all the people uh, 500 feet above the streets of New York City. And um, that was a lot of fun. Then I needed to get some coffee. I got some coffee because uh, I have nothing in the house. Um, and then I sat back down on the couch. I'm watching the TV a little bit. And then like, I have a little downtime because, uh, I don't know, I was downloading something or whatever. And I just casually went like this. And looked up at the ceiling, you know, for no reason and went, oh, my God. I would make a ter I mean, I would make a terrible witness. So back up a little bit. I get to the city really late. I run around my apartment, making sure everything is cool. There's no there's no burst pipes. There's no, no broken windows. There's uh, no rats living in my house because I haven't been there in a month. No cockroaches. I'm running the water because there's a smell coming from the showers when you uh, don't turn on the shower for over a month. I did all that. And I, and I was in the living room watching TV, like I said. And, and then I went to sleep. And then the next day I'm watching TV editing. And I look up to see a giant hole in my ceiling. A giant hole. Turns out, like, uh, the apartment above me had a, a massive leak while we were gone. Basically, my the whole, not the whole ceiling, but a giant, like, two to three foot area of my ceiling has collapsed. There was just water pouring into my living room while I'm gone out here enjoying my summer. Have no clue. No one's calling me from the building. Why would they call me from the building knowing that... Uh, I pay, what, $6,000 a month in maintenance charges. So you would think for your $6,000, somebody from the building would go, hey, you got a massive leak in your apartment from the apartment above. It's basically a waterfall. No one calls me. The rug is ruined. The coffee table's ruined. Half the couch is ruined. The ceiling, it has to be completely redone because you can't just patch a little part of the ceiling. 
So I march down to the guy that runs, I get runs the building, the building manager. I'm like, I, I got, I got a massive leak. I got, I basically had a waterfall in my apartment. He's like, that's crazy. We haven't had any reports of any problems in the building in the last couple of weeks. I'm like, well, you might want to come upstairs. And so uh, I, I bring this guy upstairs and uh, he opens up, uh, you know, I open up the front door. We walk in and he's like, oh my God. I'm like, yeah, oh my God. And then he basically runs out to try to figure out what the hell's going on, right? Now, uh, key to the story, this happened uh, one other time a couple of years ago, uh, but we were home for it. I hope you're following me here. Uh, we were home for it, and all of a sudden we just see the the, the uh, water dripping from our ceiling. Like, what the hell? There's a leak upstairs, right? So I go, I go marching upstairs, boom, 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 boom. Guy comes to the uh, door. I'm like, ah, uh, you got a leak? Like, th there's water uh, pouring into our living room right now. He's like, really? I don't, I don't think. Uh, hey, Martha, do we have? He's an old guy. Martha, do we have a leak somewhere? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. And I can hear running water. I'm like, it's coming from your your kitchen. Uh, kitchen, excuse me. I can hear it. Oh, I don't know. So we walk into the kitchen. He invites me in, right? And the and the water is just pouring from underneath the sink, just pouring out. It's like, oh, my God. So he shuts he shuts that off. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Now, he lucked out uh, because we were um, doing construction in our, in our apartment, so I never went through my homeowner's insurance or anything like that. I was just like, ah, whatever. Whatever. You know, we're, we're fixing up the apartment anyway, so no big deal. And I let the guy off the hook. But uh, fast forward to two days ago. I'm like, hold oh, this guy again. He, oh my God. So I tell the building manager, it's got to be the guy upstairs because this happened one other time. And he goes, all right, I'll get back to you. And then he writes me, he's like, the, the, the guy upstairs says they've had no issues and we don't see any issues. I'm like, that's stupid. It's, it's coming from the ceiling. It has to be the apartment above me. Long story short, he finally writes me back uh, later in the day. He goes, we found the leak. It, it was three floors above me. Water was just pouring. Uh, oh, he goes like this. Okay. Because no one wants to take responsibility for anything. I mean, anything, especially in New York. So he gets back to me. He goes, all right, we found the leak. It's, uh, it's three floors above you. It's a small... It's a small little leak coming from his refrigerator. <laughs> I go, okay. Yes, yeah, small leak. Okay. Can I have a full report? Because I got to now go through my insurance company. And now I got to deal with that. And, uh, you know, if you've been with me a little bit, I'm dealing with insurance with my car. Because, you know, I had a fender bender about a month ago uh, to the tune of $6,000. So my car is getting repaired. I had to go through my insurance for that. And now I got to call them ag again today and, and say, look, there's basically a waterfall coming through my ceiling. And I hope the guy that's three floors above me doesn't give me any issues. Cause uh, it couldn't be more obvious that we have nothing, nothing to do with this one. I mean, zilch, nothing. So, uh, that was my day in, uh, New York city yesterday. I started passing Howard Stern in the hallway. I started saying good morning to him. He hated that I said good morning because there was too much bad blood, blah, blah, blah. But he took his uh, wild shots at us as well. And behind the scenes, because the company wanted me to uh, get along with Howard Stern. And I was like, I reached out to uh, 
people that were friendly to me that were also friends with Howard. I said, look, I'd love to talk to the guy, you know, doesn't have to be on the air. I, I won't even talk about it on the air unless, uh, unless it doesn't matter. These people that I would, uh, and they were tough. They were tough people too. I'm not going to lie to you. They were tough people. They would go, you want, you want to, you want to, but you want to talk to, you want to, but you, but you know what you, you want to actually, they panicked is, is my point here. I go, well, I guess that ain't going to work. Hey, I would love to talk to Howard. You know, there's a lot of bad blood there. And there's so many years that I've got, you want to, you, but you, uh, but he, you can't do that. I'm like, all right, my bad. I just thought it, it, it might be a cool thing to do, you know? Um, and then I went to uh, Scott Greenstein and I go, Greenstein, I, I, I laid it out. I'm like, this is all the reasons why I hate the guy's uh, guts, you know? And I go, look, I'm more than willing to sit with the guy. And he's like, I'm like, you still there? He goes, anyway, what are you doing on your show today? He blew off the conversation. That That's the power that Howard Stern has at SiriusXM. He runs the place. His friends are scared of him. Uh, Scott Greenstein is scared of him. Everyone at SiriusXM is scared of the guy. My dad would have been uh, 93 this summer. But, I mean, in his 70s, he was having heart attacks all day long. This is this is the I'll I'll give you a little story, Deadpool. So my dad had like when he when he died, he had one artery uh, that was working to his heart. So we really thought he was going to die from like uh, you know a heart issue. He he had uh, you know swollen body parts. You know the edema was settling in, and we just knew it was a matter of time. But then he dies in a car accident, which was crazy. But this is how tough my dad was. Um. See, I can't eat broccoli, and my dad at the time couldn't eat broccoli because it, it was so gassy. It would give it would give you the same symptoms of a heart attack. So my older sister lives in Orlando. I'm burping, sorry. Orlando area. He drives all the way down there with my mom. On the way back, he's getting crazy-ass chest pains, uh, driving from Orlando to Long Island. And then uh, – you know, he's sort of complaining to my mom, and my mom's, like, really worried. And my dad's like, eh, we had broccoli last night. I know better. I shouldn't have had the broccoli, but blank, my sister's name. Uh, you know, she makes a that, – that dish is so good. I had to have it, you know, whatever. And so he has major chest pains all the way back to Long Island, and, and they continue. And he obviously goes in, and you know the rest. They're like, you, you had a pretty decent heart attack. Where were you? I was driving from Orlando to Long Island. You learn these old guys are just tough as nails. He was blowing it off. Ah. Wait, you were in a car? You should have been, you shouldn't even been like doing anything. But they, uh, you know, he, uh, he obviously survived that. Mayor Menino death hoax. Well, yeah, that, uh, that happened up there in Boston. There's a huge story to that alone. And basically, like, we were up in Boston. We were uh, just crushing it. And um, CBS Radio, they would be the ones that hired us in New York City. They hated that we were crushing their radio station in Boston. So they're like, we got to get these guys out of this market. 
So I'll tell some of the old stories today. What the hell? Because it, it's fresh because of the Vice TV thing. They're like, uh, these guys are killing our radio station. We got to get them out of. Uh, we got to get them out of Boston, man. We're losing millions of dollars on these guys. Oh, they're from New York. Well, Long Island in particular. Well, let's try to get them to New York City. They can help our New York City radio stations, and then we will weaken our competition in Boston by taking at them out of the market. So the behind-the-scenes thing of the whole mayor prank is the fact that we weren't as crazy as, as you thought. We uh, already interviewed with uh, two New York stations. They flew us down secretly. We didn't, I don't even think we took a day off because we didn't want anyone to know nothing. So we flew down to New York City secretly. We, uh, we met with uh, K-Rock and WNEW. And, uh, and then they're like, well, now you guys got to choose. What station you want to go to? And uh, we're like, K-Rock, of course, because they were playing the same music we were playing in Boston. And this is a true story. That's why he's such a... See, I can't say what I want to say. I, I, I might have to turn off TikTok so I can really sp speak openly about this. Another reason why Howard is just a little you-know-what. He, uh, he went to Mel once again and went, I don't want them on the same station as me. <laughs> Oh, it was so easy to get under Howard Stern's skin. I don't want him on the same station. This is a true story. Because they told us to pick, and me and Anthony picked K-Rock. It, it was the much better fit back in the day. NEW was playing butt rock, basically. Really old, who gives a crap rock with really old, who gives a crap DJs. K-Rock was the younger, hipper uh, radio station, and they were playing the exact same music we were playing up in Boston. So I'm like, you know, we won't even miss a beat. And... uh and then they come back to us and like, well, we you F, you can't pick after all. We're gonna put you on WNEW. Uh, but there's only one problem. You guys, uh, you're you guys are under contract. So I went, got it. They basically were saying it's too bad we can't hire you because you're under contract. I went, oh, all right. I know what we have to do. And it was made pretty obvious, basically, if, if you didn't have a contract, we will hire you in New York tomorrow. And it won't be K-Rock because Howard, you know, made that phone call behind the scenes once again and whined about you guys. So we, we're not going to have you on K-Rock. We're going to put you on the uh, WNEW. So that's why I laugh when people go, oh, that, this hope is crazy. He's out of his mind. No, I'm pretty calculated. It have been my entire career. So after that meeting in New York, I'm like uh, – all right, I know what I have to do. We just got to get out of this contract. Not only are we uh, going to move back home to the New York area, we will make way more money than they were paying us in Boston because they were taking advantage of our our uh, our talents up there in Boston. So April Fool's rolls around. I famously called Anthony first thing in the morning, woke him out of bed. I was already up for hours just pacing because I had this idea. And I'm like, all right, I just got to kind of wait for him to be sort of awake. So I, I finally called him. Uh, a groggy Anthony uh, comes to the phone. Says, this is all the stuff I would have told Vice, but they never they never even contacted me. Whatever. Um, I go, Anthony, uh, I got an idea. And I told him what we we're going to do for April Fool's with the mayor. He's like, that's great. Oh, all right. I don't even think he was listening because he was half asleep. And then uh, I said, all right, I'll see, you, I'll see you later this afternoon. And the rest is history. Went on the radio, knowing, knowing that we had those uh, great meetings in New York City. 
I went on the air that day knowing that they said it's uh, they said it's too bad you're under contract. And I went on the air going. I'm about to do three minutes. That's going to change my life. Thank you, Simon Cowell. Should have been on AGT with this. I knew just as I was about to go for it, I'm like, this is about to change my life for the better. I just knew. And then we did the mayor's thing. And within a week, we were fired. And everyone's like, they're crazy. They just blew up just an amazing career up in Boston. They're like rock stars out up here. They have a CD out that was charting nationally. They can't even they can't even walk around the streets of Boston, wherever they go. They just gave up all that. And uh, they're basically saying, you're crazy. And that's when a consultant, uh, a little side story, a consultant. Uh, I was also, we also flew down to Atlanta for, uh, for uh, a job offer, which we knew we weren't going to take. But our agent was in bed with, uh, what was it? I think it was Clear Channel at the time. And they were trying to get us to go to, to Atlanta and do radio. And I was in a strip club with a, a consultant. And he goes, man, you just you just like blowing things up. I'm like, no, I'm pretty calculated. But I didn't want to tell him all the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. So then all of a sudden, you know, we're fired. And uh, now I'm just waiting in my apartment for the, the big phone call from New York to come in. Like, I, I did my job. We had the interview. And they're basically saying, it's too bad you're under contract. If you weren't under contract, we're going to hire you. Or we would hire you. And then all of a sudden, um, I did all that. We're not we're not under contract anymore. And then all of a sudden, uh, I forgot who called me first. It might have been my agent. And they're like, ah, they don't know. That was so over the top, what you did in Boston. They They don't know. Or they're not sure if they should hire you guys. I'm like, oh, my God, did I just miscalculate this whole damn thing? And then uh, and then there, the, the big guy who uh, ran programming for CBS Radio, he's like, why don't you boys fly down to Washington? Let's have a little meeting. So we, uh, we got on a plane in, uh, in Boston, just mobbed, just mobbed, because now we're, we were the shock jocks that did this crazy stunt. So we had paparazzi outside our houses. It, it, the story is way, but there's so much more to this. And we were able to get to Logan airport, fly down to Washington where most people didn't really know much about us at all. Um, and uh, we met with the guy. We, uh, we famously had a, a suitcase filled with stuff, each of us, because we just thought they were going to wine and dine us for a couple days in Washington and I, uh, I explained everything to the guy, and he goes, "All right, I'm satisfied. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the okay for my people in New York to hire you guys." I'm like, "All right, right on, man." And uh, th that day, I knew we were gonna go to New York, and uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. We had a lot of work uh, cut out for us, but all right, we were gonna get our giant chance in New York City radio. And then the guys, like, "Can I call you a cab?" And I'm looking at Anthony like. Wait, I thought we were going to stay down here in Washington, get a nice steak dinner in, stay at a fancy hotel, maybe go walk and uh, check out the monuments. And uh, we were back in Boston the same day. And then, uh, you know, we got fired in uh, April in Boston. And uh, we were on the air in New York by uh, right around the 4th of July weekend-ish, somewhere around there. 
Sam. Is that true? Is that is that video out there? Uh, this guy, Teddy Mack, he writes, man, I saw a video of a group of men driving past an unconscious woman on the street during the fires, and they just said, we can't do anything for her. She was three feet away, and they drove off. Damn. That's terrible. Look, there's good Samaritans all over the place, obviously. And then there's the rest of us. And the rest of us, we like... We slow, we slow down just a little bit when we see someone that is distraught, knowing that someone else will get there before us. <laughs> you know, you know you're, you know you're that person. You know you're that person. Oh, I'm gonna help this lady that fell on the streets of New York. But you slow down a little bit, and then it's always another woman running. Oh my God, what can I do for you? <laughs> and then you're walking off nice, knowing the lady's taken care of, and you're uh, in line at the Starbucks, and you hear her babbling in the background. Well, I don't know who to call. Well, I, I, maybe, maybe I could call Henry. I, I don't know, but he might be working. And the lady's just stuck now, trying to help this person. <laughs> And you're now drinking your latte. But you feel good about yourself because you're like, man, I, I was I had the intention of getting there. It's this lady just beat me to it. I had the intention. So you feel good about yourself that you almost helped somebody. This day used to really, really suck. I mean, really suck where I would shut down and not talk to anybody around me uh, today, tomorrow, and the 13th. Um, this is like, this is what, this is the anniversary of uh, my dad pretty much dying in a car accident today. 19 years ago today, he was just minding his own business. His friends called, uh, wanted to take my mom and him to lunch at the Centerport Yacht Club. I'll go local for everybody. And uh, they picked him up. My parents were sitting in the back seat and uh, we used to live on a very, very busy road and none of us would take lefts out of the driveway or very rarely because we lived kind of around a, a bend. So it was kind of hard to see. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm just I'm just talking about it openly today. So the guy like decides to take the left. And I, I, I believe my mom was like, eh, you know, she was always very concerned when people were going to take that left. But I wasn't in the car, so I don't know exactly what she said. But I, I'm pretty sure she said something. <laughs> and he pulled out, and they just got creamed, uh, t-boned. My mom took the, the 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 most of the the crash on her side, and my dad was sitting, you know, on uh, behind the. Uh, oh my God! Don't cry. I'm not. Uh, I smile now when I think of my dad. So he was sitting behind the, the passenger in the back seat and he hit his head. He was on blood thinners for a bad heart. And um, my mom was just a mess. And one of the last things my, my dad did was he pulled out his booger handkerchief that all older guys used to carry with them. And they used to, Hark! and then they would fold up their boogers and put it back in their pocket. My dad had one of those. He had a hanky. Pulled out his booger-filled hanky to wipe the blood off my mom's face. That was one of the last things he did on this uh, on this earth. And then he walked himself to the uh, the ambulance. He gave all his information. He was talking to the uh, the first responders. They they uh, drove him to Huntington Hospital. And by the time he was there, he was out. He was out because of the blood thinners. You know, he went into a coma. 
and they lasted two days, but I technically look at the 11th, August 11th as the day I lost my dad. He lasted a couple days, but um, yeah, so that's the anniversary of that today. So cheers, cheers to that. Cheers to everyone that has lost a loved one. I was in Boston at the time, got this crazy ass call. Somebody's got to get to this hospital. Your parents were in a horrific car accident. I'm like, I'm in Boston. And I remember running down, it was either Newbury Street or Boylston. I think it was Newbury Street because I parked my car somewhere. Oh, no, 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 no. I was on Newbury Street. I was on Newbury Street when I got the call. Okay. And I was staying at a friend who had a just a sick-ass apartment close to the water. And I remember I got the call. Uh, someone's got to get here. And, you know, my brother was on it, obviously. But I was like, I got to get home. Holy crap. And I remember sprinting down Newbury Street to the point I couldn't breathe. I don't know if I've ever run faster in my life. And I just, uh, I left... I left my stuff behind that I don't think I ever ended up getting. Just who gives a crap stuff, clothes and whatnot. Got in my car in my friend's garage and took off. It was flying like close to 100 miles the whole way from Boston to uh, to Long Island. And, uh, you know, I was able to say goodbye to my dad, I guess, but it was terrible. 19 years ago today. Cheers to my pops. He was a good man. May your last thing on earth be something as good as taking out your booger hanky and wiping the blood off someone you love. Cheers. Cheers to that. So I'm usually uh, all sorts of effed up around this time of uh, this summer, but I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I've told that story many times over the years and it usually brings tears to my eyes, but no, nah, man, I, when I think of my dad now, I, uh, you know, I just smile and know that he, uh, he raised me right. And that he was a good man. And he was, uh, he was the most supportive person in my entire life, except for my wife, Jesus. She, wow. Yeah. Except for my, my, my wife and my dad, incredibly supportive no matter what I'm even, even with this live stream, he would be like all about it. He, he was so proud and so supportive. My dad died 41 years ago. Still think of him almost every day, man, Bill Marchant. That means your dad did a damn good job. Cheers to your dad, Bill. It's up to us to keep our, um, keep their memories alive. My, uh, my kids and my wife never met my dad, but, I talk about him so much that every once in a while they'll reference him and go, yeah, that's something your dad would say. I'm like, wow, they never met him. But it just means I, I did a decent job keeping his memory alive and my brothers and sisters do the same damn thing. Boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo. <laughs> 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 <laughs>